Welcome to Chai with Ping. This is Ping Robert. In this podcast, I cover immigrant stories, cross-cultural experiences, and minority issues. Join me with a cup of chai and take a listen. All right. So, Ping, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, I'm Ping Robert, and I came to the University of Denver in 2017. So it's been six years since I came from Taiwan.、Um, my husband and I came here for my studies. So、um, I was doing educational leadership and policy studies doctoral program,、um, and later I focused on international students、um, in my dissertation. And I have been working with、uh, CLC since 2018, I think. And then Agi used to be my trainer, <laughs> so so that was really fun. It's been a long journey.、Um, and right now I'm in between jobs, you know, like I I have part times, but I I want to find a full time working with students, like college students in. Higher education, or you know, immigrants in the educational sector.、Um, anything else you want to know about me?、Um, I mean, if you have、um, more to say, like feel free.、Um, but I think that that's good to start with. Yeah.、Um, okay. So you mentioned about CLC, and I really appreciate your kind words. And I can't believe that you know it, it, this is like a long-term relationship. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, yeah, you started in 2018. That's right. Where did, where did the time go? I, mean, I know, look, right? <laughs> On our face. Looking. <laughs> wow.、Well, I'm just going to say that we have really good genetics, but all I'm saying that time flew by really fast. Yes. I mean, look at where you are right now. What a great accomplishment. Thank you. I never imagined that we will become friends after the class. I mean, it's like the the whole class was really fun, right? But then it's just like I never imagined we would hang out afterwards. And then like you and I became friends, and then you know Billy and Benny, our dogs, become good friends. And then so it's just like one of the occasions I didn't expect that people will actually become friends. But then I think God sent you into my life. You know what? I feel like there is a reason for everything.、Mm-hmm. There is this reason you are taking my class. There is a reason I happen to be the trainer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy that class. It's it's so good, and also it's kind of like showing me the first opportunity that I can actually work outside of campus. Yeah, yeah. And plus, you are very articulate. Thank Did you. Did you know that? Yeah, I. Were you aware how articulate you were? Does he have someone? I I never knew because like I'm just me, right? I grew up like this, and then I of course I had、uh, trainings or experience for talking, and then I run two cat podcasts. But I don't I don't know. I think I always compare to those people who are really professionally articulate. So then I I, I feel like I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. Okay. You. All right. So, <clears throat> how long have you been working as an interpreter? You already answered that question、mm-hmm. since 2018. And in what language? 
in Mandarin Chinese to English and vice versa. However, before coming to the U.S., I have already been in a, you know, working in the in different settings um, for translation and interpretation. But it was not as not as formal or official. For example, when I uh, was in high school and college, I worked at the um, education, like a school exhibition. So it's like a school fair. So schools from the English-speaking country will come to Taiwan. The representative will talk to students for study abroad, or you know, that like for international students to go to the U.S., the U.K., New Zealand, Australia, and some other countries. So then that's like you know every six months or maybe once a year. So I will work in those exhibits. And also there were times that I would interpret for my church on the podium. Um, also, when I was working in India, I, I also joined some of the expos like um, Renewal Energy Expo in India. So the, the Taiwanese mm-hmm. were looking for someone to interpret for, for them from Mandarin to English. So then I happened to be there and they referred me to that. Um, I've always been interested in interpretation and translation, more so interpretation. So I think when I was pursuing my graduate studies, I tried to test myself into um, TNI programs, but I couldn't get through because um, it was just very rigorous, right? And then I, I guess my level was never there. However, I think God took a turn and it made me this path and then I never knew that coming to the U.S. I could become a real interpreter in like you know medical school settings or even legal uh, consultancy. But this is kind of like a dream come true. And also on the side, I still interpret for my church. So so you so you're doing simultaneous interpreting. Uh, both simultaneous and um, consecutive. Oh wow! Yeah. So you go to um, um, Mandarin-speaking church in yeah. um, Denver? Oh, right. okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I used to go to that church. Um, I switched the, this year. Um, oh, you switched just, this year. Yeah. But after that, you know, even before this year, like all five years, I was in Galilee South, which is a Chinese church. So. Oh, okay. Huh. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, since since you mentioned about church, we actually receive um, few requests. Not going to specify which church, but they requested simultaneous interpreting. Wow! Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I I think it was fascinating, and which I you know I definitely can see that they're trying you know to reach out um, to more community. And yeah. it makes sense that, you know, some of their audience, you know, speak other languages. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I will. I would love to uh, interpret for churches and all that. Because in the past weekend, I just interpreted for a wedding, which is a Christian wedding with American wife and a Chinese husband. So uh, that was so fun. So there was a little sermon piece, like they talk about Bible and all that in the ceremony. And then after that, I interpret for the family. So. That that has been one of the highlights because I didn't imagine that interpretation would be required for a wedding, um, but they definitely felt it was needed because the whole husband's family don't speak English. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. <laughs> um, how did you get started as an interpreter? You already answered the questions. Mm -hmm. Unless you would like to add more to what you just said earlier. I have an uncle who who lives in Australia and then he has been doing interpretation like, you know, on the phone. So usually I don't know how they arrange that, but I could when I visit him, um, he sometimes will get a call from the court, from the hospital, from like whatever meetings. And then they will have to, you know, he will he, he will pick up the phone and talk um, through the phone. So then they suggested to me, it's like, oh, you can look into those options since like America is like a big immigrant pot. So so I look into um, CLC. I was looking into different agencies, but also from my church, there were uh, there was a couple who have been working with CLC. So they referred me to the agency and then I started it. I think in the beginning, because I was a student, right, I didn't have like, I think the training was about $500. Yes. And then I was like, how do I, like, where do I get 500 to actually start when I don't have a career, but, and then I don't have a job and then I need to start a, a training. But then, yeah, later I pulled through and, you know, I asked for my parents' support and then I went through that, that training and then I started this career. So I would, I will, yeah, I have been referring to to other people ever since. Like being an interpreter is so fun. It, it's a side job. Unfortunately, I would love to do it for time. Um, but otherwise, it's just a way to get into the community and serve and work at the same time. It's just like, especially I think being a medical interpreter or even for schools or um, court, some of the situations are really sad. Like they, they're really desperate for help, right? Especially you meet patients in the hospital. No patients are happy. It's like, yay, I got sick. No, so <laughs> so, so I, I am very touched um, so many times that I could actually work with them to support them when they're, they need the support the most. Um, you know, language is such a basic need, but when immigrants come to this country, a lot of them are elderly and they couldn't speak that language. So it's just on top of their physical sickness. And then I think the mentally they are stressed. So they're yeah. very happy to see some person from their culture or speak their language. And then they usually say, this is so nice. Like, you know, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, so so that has been life changing to for me to actually see there is the need for interpretation, not just just provide languages, right? It's also support my community throughout these times. I love how you said that, you know, not only just for the language aspect, but also for your community support. Mm -hmm. And you're one hundred percent right. That language is literally the basic instinct for a human being to communicate with each other. And the um, impact of not being able to communicate in the language spoken by, you know, some people that make it really hard, right? Like, how do we, you know, express our needs and, but we don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm honored. Yeah. God, I think that is, it's, it's amazing how, you know, being an interpreter can, you know, change someone's life and their life about, you know, someone's life and, you know, how they are excited to look forward, um, what the future may look like. Yeah. I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to say is that, 
You know, like when they know someone who speaks that, that language, it brings so much joy and, you know, hope. Um, yes. Yep. And how they are, you know, um, doing their activities. Because then I know someone who speaks my language. I don't have to feel be alone. Yes. Yeah. Especially navigating a new system like medi- medical care or yeah. school. You know, it's just like so overwhelming for, for immigrants to... Not just the language side. It's also the whole content and the, the background knowledge and all that. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, even for native speaker, it's so confusing to yeah. navigate a healthcare system yeah, when they I receive, agree. you know, $100,000 medical bill. Like, mm. wait a minute, what on earth am I, um, you know, receiving this letter and I have to pay $100,000? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How am I supposed to pay for this medical bill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. And they start panicking, um, even though they have their insurance, but they still receive this bill anyway. <laughs> what was the most memorable interpreting experience you have had? The most memorable. So, yeah, I mentioned the wedding, so that's like the happy one. Um, and then... I remember it so much because it's a happy, joyful interpretation occasion. Otherwise, just like I said, most of my appointments are not as happy or cheerful. I think one of them could be the patient who was getting the news, like the doctor, the medical board writer was trying to reveal the news of them getting cancer. I sat in the room and I'm like, okay, is it just me who understand both sides of what's happening? Or is it just like they don't want to admit that they understand the news of they, the the guy, the patient has cancer. So the, pa- the patient kept asking the doctor, no, I don't think the result is correct. Is there any possibility that we should do another uh, check um, to see if the result comes cor- uh, correctly. And then a medical provider, um, I think she was a, a nurse. And so mm-hmm. the nurse came in first, right? And then telling like, oh, Mr. So-and-so, it's like, well, uh, unfortunately, this is what we found. And then we can start talking about the treatment plan. So they didn't want to focus so much on like, yeah, you have cancer. I'm sorry about that. But they want to move on to something productive. But then the patient kept saying that no, like, there, there could be something wrong. I'm, I'm just coughing and, and there shouldn't be anything more than that. And then mm-hmm. the I, I remember they went back and forth two or three times. The same conversation, the same things. Like, so the patient is like, no, that's not possible. Can we do another test? And the nurse will say, no, like there's nothing wrong with the test. And then, um, you know, we, we are sure 100% that this is accurate. And then we don't have to do any other examinations to confirm there is uh, cancer cells. And then so three times after that, and then the nurse said that, well, I'm going to ask the doctor to come in later and then to discuss further with the details. And then the doctor came in. Uh, and then they had two more times with the conversation. Same thing, the same line. So for me, it's just like 
because I'm the third party and I'm sitting outside of a situation and I'm interpreting, I'm just like, what is happening? Why do I have to interpret a f- the same thing five times and then no one mm-hmm. is getting it, right? They just repeat themselves. But later I kind of realized that it's just a, a coping mechanism or the patient was still trying to digest the whole thing. And I guess the medical providers must be very experienced with this kind of conversation. Maybe maybe not with a Chinese-speaking person, right? But then is for most people, they will be like in shock or unbelief and all that. So for me, it's just like, I, I don't think I can relate to the emotions that the patients or the doctors are having. However, I think that kind of shocked me emotionally even more because I'm seeing this is a life documentary happening in front of me. It's not a movie. It's not a, the, a v- video I see online anymore. It was something real. And this patient is real. And then he will be going through treatment. And I think one of the things about being freelancing interpreters are it's just like, we don't get to meet the patients over and over again. Maybe they request, maybe they change to another hospital and they request someone else or just a different agency, right? But I was surprised after one and a half years, I was requested by the same patient, or the, the patient. So I saw the patient, like not the same agencies, but then I was like, oh, how are you doing? And then we started catching up. So so he, he was there for regular um, checkups, like follow up and all that. So he said that now he's cancer free and then he has to do, you know, regular checkups. But after some time, I think maybe after two months, we met again. And then the same thing happened. The different medical provider told him that I'm sorry from your follow-up examinations. Uh, the result came and then there are again cancer cells. So there are, so, so it's just like, Cancer seems to be a, 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 re- a reoccurring thing for this patient and for the second time now. And then for me, it's just like, whoa, I have the privilege and I'm like in this vulnerable time. Who wants a, the third party to come into their life and then know this whole thing? Because it's not the happiest news in life. But then I get to see like this patient well and then unwell, well and then unwell again. So then... We, we talked about faith, and then uh, he became a, a, a Christian, and then he said that he will pray every day. I say, you know, sir, I will pray for you as well. And so even till this day, I think the whole journey, I, I haven't seen him ever since, but it's just like how that has been impacting my life to see health, life, and the meaning of life and all those com- uh, circumstances, how they deal with it. It's just a lot for, for me to take in. So this is one of the most memorable um, example. I hope it's not so sad. <laughs> I think there's still hope, you know. <laughs> Wait, do there's you still hope. Would they have to? Well, it's just like well, it is. It is like that, right? But it's just a circle of life, and then okay. now we're singing Lion King. No, <laughs> no it's just like <laughs> it's just like. I mean, it's great that he is still having resources and services and that he can receive the right treatment. And I I really hope that my story doesn't just stop there. It's like, oh, I'm sorry that he got cancer again, right? But it's just like 
be in those moments, and I'm, I, I can see how impactful our work can be. Yeah. Right. It's and a, and yeah. it's just, it's, it's adulting. <laughs> like it's we're adulting. I, adulting. Yeah. Like right. Like uh, we're we're becoming more adult and then more understanding and also know knowing how fragile life can be. I mean, I feel like, you know, working as an interpreter, it really taught me a life lesson, and that is to be present. Mm-hmm. I think that is we we at least my you know just from my experience that I tend to project what is going to happen in the future, mm-hmm. but we don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? Well, we don't know. Like we can only plan. But at the end of the day, you know, things that we plan may not work out. Mm-hmm. So might as well be present and appreciate what we have as of like right now, which is so crazy because I didn't really think about that. I always like, you know, not always, but sometimes I just get so worried like, oh, my God, is this going to work? What if it doesn't work out? What if I didn't get this? What they don't go? Like what's going to happen when they're driving? <laughs> yeah right like a lot of times that we can be coming in and out of an appointment but we don't really see how intricate that can be um and then even just now talking about it i think that kind of helped me to reflect even more of the meaning of this this patient this assignment um and how much i could actually think about it through the assignment yeah so thank you for that wonderful question So I just want to ask a follow-up question, and that is, how do you handle um, an appointment where you communicate to um, the patient that you have cancer, okay? And then the patient brought a family member, Mm -hmm. and family member can understand English, and before you communicate, the family member said, don't tell to the patient. Oh, this Uh, hasn't happened to me yet. uh, Huh. I think from all these years, all the assignments that I work with, yeah, none of this uh, happened, but it will be so interesting just to think about it. I, from the training as interpreter, right, especially medical interpreters, we are supposed to interpret everything we say. And then whatever happens between the family with the pro- uh, provider, that's their own business. But whatever is happening in the room, I will have to be ethical and interpret yeah. everything, regardless what the family is asking me, because that's not my job to hide your secret or your, your family's secret. Um, I'm here to become a language conduit. So, so I think for me that I will do, I will make that professional decision to also let. So, so that's also why we're. It's so important to do precession. I have to reiterate, like I am gonna interpret everything you say. If anything that you don't want me to interpret, please don't say it. Right. Um. But sometimes like, it only comes out to, to that part and they, they realize that, okay, we're going to reveal a, a bad news. So, and then we don't want our, our family to know. But I think at that point, I also do that pre-session again, the same introduction. It's like, well, 
so and so I know that you don't want your family to know about this bad news. However, my job here is to to interpret everything is said in this room. Um, unless you have a talk with the provider and then decide this is not the thing that you want to talk about today. Otherwise, I'll have to stick to my integrity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you maintain um, professionalism, right? Because mm. I definitely can see, you know, as an interpreter, um, we can get carried away and decide that I'm just going to go with the patient or the mm. patient's family member, and I'm not going to communicate the bad news upon the request by yeah. the patient's family member. But then we're not doing our job as an mm. interpreter, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is our yeah. duty to be... I mean, to be, you know, communication conduit. Yeah. As a conduit, like we are, you know, adhere to um, interpreters code of ethic. And one of them is to be accurate. Yeah. And, and faithful. To, to be faithful yeah. of what is being said. Yeah. <laughs> this is um, great. I mean, this is a great reminder for me. Thank you, Agi, for asking this. Because like, if if today I'm going to an, an appointment and this happened, I might need to think about it before I do anything. But you prepare me for the next one, like when this happens. Like I will have an absolute answer and, and decision process for this. I mean, the thing is, like, people didn't realize how valuable training is, just like in any other profession yeah. like we have to take training we i myself i have to take classes i have to take mm. interpreting classes because if i didn't take it when i you know interpret i may say something or i may have done something that mm. is not ethical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay all right moving on to the next question how do you usually prepare for your assignment? Um, good question. A lot of times I can't. I sometimes will look up what uh, hospital that is, especially when it's a medical appointment. For schools, usually things are very general and teachers will explain everything very clearly to the family. However, being a medical interpreter, um, I I will look ar- like to see what background knowledge I can have. For example, it might say, like in my order sheet, it might say like whatever department that is going to be. If it's oncology, I might just review some of the words and all. And the hospital, I might do a little research on the hospital. I remember there was a hospital, a clinic, which from the name, I couldn't understand what it is. But then, so I, I look into it, I look at the website. Oh, so it's like a mammogram clinic. They're mm-hmm. doing different pictures for for breasts um, and so then I was like oh so that's why they request female only um, for interpreters because all the females are going to take pictures with the providers so so then I will look up some of the vocabulary terminology um, however I think most of the appointments are not as hard um, because all the doctors or the providers, they're trained to speak in simple languages. And also, I will ask for clarification. For example, there's a term that I don't know, and then none of us know. So I was like, uh, can you explain this term? Um, and then the provider will kind of explain what's happening with that, that maybe the symptom or whatever that condition is, and then we can move on. 
So, so I don't, I don't say um, medical interpreters are perfect. I'm just saying that I think we have a way to solve that problem when it comes to a barrier of communication. At least we can ask for clarification, and yes. and even sometimes like the clients won't even understand the scientific name in in Mandarin Chinese. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. we still have to explain what it is. They right. will say something very fancy, but you know, for layman's <laughs> turn, we we just need to come down to that level. So so that's how I prepare it. Um, sometimes, uh, for example, last time I, I received some script or a summary of the meeting, uh, or even uh, and the agenda of the meeting, how, what they're gonna do.、Um, mm-hmm. For the legal ones, I think there is usually a very certain script. So I receive that. I, I will read through it, and then I check some of the terminology. Oh, I think watching some series related to hospitals and crime will really help. So, for example, right now I'm watching a series、uh, related to legal、uh, stuff. So they will talk about a lot of different terms, right? And then I'll turn on the subtitle into Chinese, so that I will know the the. What is this? What is it called? Like the the description, the translation. Yeah, yeah. So I can see what they're speaking in English and then what the Chinese will come up with. Yeah. And then sometimes、uh, when I'm watching those videos, I will also check on、um, Google Translate or online, like to see whatever that is.、Um, and for medical as well. For example, if they're、mm-hmm. <laughs> they're healing a body or you know the ER <laughs> and all that, you know they talk those terminologies, and then I have subtitles. If they don't, at least I have the English subtitles, so I'll know how to、uh, spell that term, and then I can do my own research. So for me, it's through media is really helpful.、Um, I think it's very interesting how general knowledge an interpreter would require. Like we will say, you know, a lot of times that we focus our head into like the medical terms, but no, like a lot of times in the patient's room, a lot of things will happen. They might talk about games, they might talk about weather, and then you know,、yeah. traffic or whatever, right? Anything can come up. So I think for myself to immerse in the culture and in the media, in the pop media as well. Um, it is really helpful for me. Thank you so much for the advice. Yeah, I think that'll be really helpful for interpreters who you know just recently completed training, because I feel like it's so different、um, between you know learn from textbook than when you are actually doing the interpretation.、Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. That is really helpful advice. <laughs> What are the biggest challenge? Um, you have a face in interpreting field, and what strategies do you use to overcome them? Thanks for listening to Chai with Ping. If you think someone will benefit from this episode, don't forget to share it with them. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you like my show, you can buy me some chai with small donations. Details are in the episode notes. Till next time. Thank、you